Hello, everyone, and welcome into this episode of the Sports Detective Podcast. I am your host, James Williams, and today on the show, I am going to talk about Antonio Brown signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and why he is a rare wild card signing in the NFL. Listen to that to figure out what that means. And then I talk about college football after week eight. Is it week nine? I talked about college football the last two weeks. What to expect? The unexpected. Coaches wearing masks, not wearing masks. Putting their microphones inside their masks. Anyway, a uh, really good podcast for you guys today. Really good episode. Really good content. About 26 minutes of it here for you. So maybe it might get closer to 30, actually. So thank you so much. Now here is the wild card talk about Antonio Brown. Okay, let's start off today by talking about Antonio Brown. This week he got signed to the Tampa Bay. Whoa, hold on. That's better. Sorry, messing with the sound. He got signed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I'm not going to get into the whole allegations that were brought up on him last year. I just don't think that's fair for me or anyone to assume that uh, he 100% did it or he 100% didn't. So let's just remove that. I I also, with that being said, I don't know how he was able to serve his eight-game suspension without actually being on a team. Because that, that was kind of my thought on the whole thing was that he was never going to get signed because no one wanted to put up for him for eight weeks when he's not playing. But he kind of got to get out of jail free card with that where he can just hop on the bucks midway through the season. A red hot football team, probably the hottest team in the NFL right now. You can hop on that ship. And the idea is you add another weapon who is always going to be open. He's short. He's good at short routes, good deep routes. He's probably... Even though he really didn't play last year and half of this year, he's probably still a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Let's just go over the Antonio Brown incidents just off the top of my head throughout his career. It started mid-2000s where Ryan Clark, who is a ESPN guy, played for the Steelers, would always come on and do appearances on the TV shows there. He was a safety for them, you don't know. He said... If you pay Antonio Brown, you're going to create a monster. He might have been right. Fast forward a few years. Obviously, he gets paid. Fast forward a few years, there's the incident with the Facebook Live. He's in the locker room after a playoff win. Facebook Living. And Mike Tomlin's in the background trying to motivate his team about the Patriots, but he's bad-mouthing the Patriots, which is something you, which happens in NFL locker rooms, but... When it's broadcast the entire world, you know that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are watching that and putting all that stuff on their whiteboard as motivation for them to beat the Steelers. And also, the locker room's kind of a sacred place where you don't want talk. You know, that's that's the phrase, locker room talk. You don't want that stuff to get out to the world. Obviously, uh, there was the thing this last season in Pittsburgh where he didn't show up the last game. That season, by the way, he also led the NFL in touchdowns, even though he missed that last game. Then gets traded to the Raiders, shows up in July with frostbitten feet in July. Then has the whole situation where he's kind of like, is he there? Is he not there? Can he practice? Can he not practice? 
He gets into a verbal confrontation with his GM, Mike Mayock, where he calls him a cracker. He records a phone call with John Gruden and then posts that to, I think it was Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Then obviously the Raiders cut him. Uh, the allegations start to come out. The Patriots sign him. Then he has the threatening text messages with one of the allegation people. Then the Patriots are like, all right, we really want to keep you, but we'll cut you. Then another incident I'd left out. There was also another thing when he was still on the Steelers where he was at his Miami apartment and he started just throwing furniture off of his like several high story apartment and it became within feet of hitting a two-year-old. That could have been a lot worse if wind was blowing differently. So I just bring up all of those incidents right there. All that off the field stuff, all that stuff that was just even kind of on the field and in the locker room. Why would you as a football organization say, yes, I want that guy to come and join my team? Because he's one of the best receivers in the NFL still. In his, from 2010 to 2019, he made seven Pro Bowls and four All-Pros. He led the NFL in receiving yards twice in touchdowns one time. And like I said earlier, that touchdown, because I think sometimes we can be like, oh, look at these stats, but then it's like, oh, they only happened in his, like, his rookie contract. The touchdowns thing was the last year he actually played a full season. So him getting signed to the Bucks is going to go, and I think, in one of three ways. These are going to have no effect. Be there for a short time, then gone. He's either going to be a model citizen, and he's going to be crazy productive. Or he's going to be crazy productive, and crazy off the field and in the locker room. Which one do you think is going to be the most likely outcome? I think it's going to be the last one. Antonio Brown is the ultimate wild card. You don't know what you're going to get from him on a day-to-day basis. You don't know if he's going to come in with that million-dollar smile, come out there, be the best workout guy in practice, or you don't know if he's going to show up with frostbitten feet, a blonde mustache, and going crazy town. And this is why I call him the wild card. Go back to your younger adult years. Go back to when you were in college. I'm also saying younger adult because we don't want to pigeonhole this as only a college experience. Go back to that time. You go through the week, school, work, whatever, and the conversation getting towards the weekend, all right, where's the party at? Where's it at? Where are we going? What's happening? Is there a theme? Is there a keg? Are there games? All of these different things. Who's going to be there? All of these things. Or maybe you're the guys that are hosting. Let's say you're the guys who are hosting. And you know this. Not every weekend, not every party is awesome. Some of them suck. People don't show up. People kind of get in ruts, getting vibes, you know. Maybe not everyone's as hyped up as they should be, so some suck. So I used to know this guy. If that party sucked, you knew that, hey, you bring in the wild card, really don't know much about the guy. If you ever go to his house, you're like, wait a minute, does this place have running water? What? But that guy comes up, and that guy comes to the party, and he is an A-plus partier. He comes in with a bunch of energy, he'll come with booze, he has all of these drinking games. He knows every single thing that you can do. 
with cups, with cards, the, what do you call it, the Shotsky. He, he knows all of these things. He knows how to do all of it. He comes in with energy. He can potentially boost up your party and make the knight legendary. But the only problem is, not every knight can be legendary and crazy. So if you're the Bucks right now, and you're at the party, the Bucks are having a party right now. Like I said at the top, they are the best team in the NFL right now. They are the hottest team in the NFL. They are in position to take the NFC and be the number one seed in the NFC. I know standings-wise they aren't right now, but they're in position to take that. The party is good. And the one time you don't need the wild card to show up at the party is when the party's already good. Because even though on those nights when the party sucks, he can come in and bring life to it, he can also come in when the party's good and he can wreck it. You'll wake up the next morning and be like, wait a minute, did Chad throw our couch out the window? What? Wait, Chad threw up in our washing machine. What the what the heck? Why do we invite him to this? Why did we invite the wild card? And Antonio Brown is the ultimate wild card. I don't understand it with the Bucks. Why why invite him when the party's good? Oh, the leadership. The leadership. Tom Brady, they got leadership in Tampa. Well, did they not have leadership in Pittsburgh? With I know he had problems with big men, but Mike Tomlin, isn't he one of the top five, would you say, NFL coaching leaders, maybe top three? Le- just talking about leadership, people you respect. Isn't he really far up there in the NFL community? The Raider, John Gruden, don't, don't you think he demands a certain level of respect? He's got a Super Bowl ring, so does Tomlin. Then you go to the Patriots, who are the most successful 25, 20-year 20 run in NFL history with the most accomplished quarterback ever and the most accomplished head coach ever. And you defied that leadership. So why do we think when he's going to go to Tampa that things are going to change? Maybe he has his mental health in order. Hopefully he does for the safety of him and his family. But if I'm Tampa... I understand if you're a team like New Orleans and you want to do it and you kind of need a spark. Like the New Orleans party right now, Michael Thomas is the one roommate who's like locked himself in his room. He got drunk and mad. He's just not saying that these, you know, I mean, I'm characterizing these guys. He's there and everyone kind of hates him. You hear some of those Michael Thomas stories and you're like, whoa, what is up with this? This is really weird. The party's kind of lifeless there. Drew Brees is kind of a lame duck at quarterback probably done after the season. I understand bringing the wild card in there and he might boost life. But if you're in Tampa, the party's going well, everyone's having fun, the music sounds awesome, full party, good ratios, good people, no one's going crazy, no one's too drunk. The party's good. Why why would you bring in the wild card? Okay, let's start talking about some college football. The last time I talked about this on the podcast was a few days before the Big Ten was about to start their season. And what did I say then? I said, expect things to happen that you don't expect. 
don't be surprised if you see something crazy happen. A few things I said was the Purdue-Iowa game. Purdue actually won that game. I kind of mocked the Indiana-Penn State spread, but then Indiana ends up coming back and winning, mostly because when Penn State had a one-point lead, they could have had the running back fall short of the end zone, then they could have actually ran down the clock further, waited and scored a touchdown later, but instead that guy goes and scores. Indiana drives down the field, scores in the last seconds of the game, gets the two-point conversion. That that guy, the Penix guy, the quarterback, he was just spectacular in those games, and uh, in overtime there was a controversial two-point conversion where it was like, did he just get the tip of the football barely over the white line? Is that a touchdown? But they ruled it, uh, or excuse me, a two-point conversion successfully. That's what it was ruled on the field, and they weren't going to overturn that without conclusive as evidence. So Indiana ended up winning that game. But if you're a Penn State fan, you're saying, oh, we got screwed on that last play. That poor execution the last time you had the ball in regulation, that's kind of what cost you that game. And also your defense not stopping Indiana. Indiana looks pretty good. Another thing that happened, Rutgers. Rutgers got their first Big Ten victory since 2017. Pretty shocking. First Big Ten victory. And you watch that game, and Rutgers, it wasn't like Rutgers just like snuck away and got it. Rutgers kind of dominated Michigan State. They, they just looked like the better team, and just knowing that how Rutgers has played over the last few years, look at how Kansas, Kansas probably isn't going to win a game this year. Kansas and Rutgers played each other last year, and Kansas blew out Rutgers. And that was actually kind of a fun game where it's like, all right, who is going to be named the worst Power 5 team? the team that loses this game, and it was Rutgers. So Rutgers coming and beating Michigan State with no, uh, who was their old coach, Mark D'Antoni? Mike, I, I always try and say Mike D'Antoni because of the basketball coach, but I think it's Mark. So you're looking at that, and you're like, all right, maybe Michigan State's just horrible. Then you come around to this week, and yesterday, I'm recording this Sunday morning, and Michigan State beats Michigan, who the previous week were looking at Michigan and going like, wow, like this might be Harbaugh's best team. He finally has one of his recruits that's in at quarterback. This guy has a cannon. He's mobile. He throws balls that will dislocate his receiver's fingers is something that I heard. Harbaugh's got his guy. This might be the year for Michigan, even though we say that every year for them. And Michigan State kind of comes in, Rocky Lombardi, plays spectacularly the Michigan State Spartans upset Michigan and also to crowds play such a huge factor like I was watching the pregame show with Urban Meyer on Fox and he was saying the Ohio State Penn State game he's like it's such an advantage for Ohio State that Penn State doesn't have that crowd because Penn State can jam about 100,000 people in there and they go crazy for some of these games that they have In Ohio State, obviously, they kind of roll. Wisconsin looks good. Minnesota, they lose on a in overtime, kind of gave up a lead to Maryland, and then they lost because their kicker couldn't hit the tying extra point in overtime. Iowa's 0-2. Penn State's 0-2. I think that's partly because they should have beat Indiana, but then you have to play Ohio State. Northwestern's 2-0. Good for them. Iowa 
So a few things that you didn't expect there. If I would have came on and said all of these things the very first week and said, hey, Penn State's going to start 0-2, so is Iowa. Rutgers is going to have a win, and then the team that Rutgers beats going to beat maybe the second-best team in their conference. I probably offended like three fan bases there that are like, wait, we're, we're better than Michigan. We're second. We're the second-best team in the conference to Ohio State. So, yeah, I think things are going to normalize. I was thinking about this, too, as I was writing my notes. I don't think Ohio State, if they want to make it to the playoff, even though it seems like it's going to be a lesser field for the playoff, and I think it might, maybe it'll look a little differently when the Pac-12 finally starts playing. But one loss for Ohio State could ruin them. I don't think they're going to lose. I think they're just so good, and I don't think they're honestly going to get challenged. I was looking at their schedule. The only two ranked teams they have left to play are Michigan and Indiana. But one loss could screw them because it's like when you only play, they're, they're playing like, I should have checked. I think they're only playing like eight games. So a seven and why would you pick a seven and one team where it's like, hey, they didn't play as much games versus a, let's say, um, Oklahoma State finishes out the regular season, goes nine and one. Why would you pick them over them? Well, because they're better and we know they're better. I don't think that's going to happen. That's something to look out for. Then let's go back to this weekend a little bit more. The previous one, Boston College. Well, first off, Trevor Lawrence, I think it was Wednesday. Test positive for COVID-19 due to protocols. Also, the thing about protocols, too, every single conference's protocol is different, so don't get mad. Well, you can get mad. I don't care. But you have to understand that protocols are different for each conference. So don't be do the thing where it's like, wait a minute, why are they? Well, it's the protocols. Why do they get to play when they had some, like, Nick Saban test positive and then he ends up coaching? Might have been a false positive, but that's another story. Trevor Lawrence Wednesday, test positive. Out for the game Saturday. In other news, I'll get to this in a second. Out for the game next Saturday, which is Clemson's biggest regular season game. I don't know, maybe in five years. That's just a guess because they're playing Notre Dame, who's also undefeated and also looks like a team that could probably make the playoff. But Trevor Lawrence out. Have to bring in a backup quarterback. A lot of these big programs, they lose their quarterback and you think, well, they... They're always they're they're a NFL factory. They're always going to have somebody in. So I, I'm not going to crucify. I'm not going to really criticize this guy at all. But Boston College, who's a good football team, comes out to a 28 to three lead on Clemson. That's how the game started out, and Clemson obviously comes back. And even though I watched I I watched kind of the end of that game, I didn't watch the part where Boston College was dominating them. But, I mean, Clemson even gave Boston College... If they, if Boston College could have put together, like, a few... Like, one good drive. Boston College might have actually won that game. But I don't think it's that big of a deal as maybe some might be talking about this week. Them not having Trevor Lawrence. One, I think it was the last time these two teams played. It was the college football playoff. 2018-19 season, and Clemson just kind of steamrolled them. Yeah, the year Clemson won the championship. And then they went to the... I won't even get into what I was about to say. But they just dominated them. Trevor Lawrence, a freshman quarterback. And also, give, give this kid a break that started. He didn't know he was going to start until about Wednesday. 
obviously he didn't know he was going to start till Wednesday, and then it's like this thing, oh, wait, do I have it now? And it could... I'm giving Clemson a break on that. I'm not really going to go out on a limb and say that they're going to get steamrolled by Notre Dame now. Even though Notre Dame appears to be a good team. It might be closer than we expect, which is great for TV watching, but I don't think Clemson's just going to roll over because they don't have Trevor Lawrence. A bunch of other really good players on that team. And it was also a weird thing with Trevor Lawrence, too, because I was listening to the pregame, and they were talking, I think Bruce Feldman came on, and Bruce said that based on the guidelines, you have to isolate for 10 days, and then if you isolate for 10 days and obviously get the negative tests, then you could play. So if you did that from the Wednesday, the day that he tested positive, 10 days would be Saturday, so probably not a go. But what he also said, you can kind of jump around with this a little bit and say, oh, we could say that he had we could isolate from the time that he had 10 days from the day he had symptoms. So you could have said it was Tuesday or Monday that he had symptoms and then he would have actually been able to play. But instead Clemson says he's out. They're jumping ahead of it. And now this kid, I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name. The backup quarterback is going to have a week to prepare for Notre Dame. Clemson. I also think Clemson, they don't, They're never challenged in the regular season, so I think they really look forward to these games where they think they might actually get challenged. So you're going to see an A-plus effort out of all these Clemson players. The Big 12. Oklahoma State lost to Texas. Which Oklahoma State, I was looking at the standings today and some stats... They are like by far the Big 12 team that's allowed the least amount of points, which is really weird. You'd never expect to see a Oklahoma State defense that you think that like maybe one of these years Oklahoma would actually get it together because they are by far the best recruiting school out of anyone in the Big 12. But Oklahoma State defense that played really well against Iowa State the week before kind of shut them down and won that game. And we were thinking, hey, Oklahoma State's got a clear path to this conference. But then Sam Ellinger, Texas, Tom Herman coaching for his job practically. They come out. Sam Ellinger leads a drive to send it into overtime. Or excuse me, to take the lead. And then Oklahoma State drives down, kicks a field goal to send it in overtime. I feel kind of bad for Sam Ellinger because I really wish they would have beaten Oklahoma that in that uh, Red River shootout because I I wanted Texas needs to win more games for him to actually get that Heisman. Like if they would have won that game, he'd be the front runner for the Heisman now, but since they lost and if you actually watch that game, he was the reason that they were even got to overtime and were competitive in it. They didn't have him. Oklahoma might've won by 50. A little bit more here. Um, Remember like early the first week or two of the NFL season when, They were like, the NFL was being really harsh and fining people or coaches who weren't wearing masks. Pete Carroll, John Gruden, just to name a few. If you're one of those guys and you're watching some of these college football games, and obviously college football, I don't know if they, I don't know if there's like an organ, maybe it would have to be the university or something or the conference, but to try and find these coaches for not wearing masks. Cause 
If you watch an Oklahoma State game, Mike Gundy, does n- he never wears his mask. He's like one of those guys that you think like he probably never wears it and he just has to have it. He's like, he gets it before the game. He's like, wait a minute, so how does this work again? Over both ears? Like, what? I Like, I just have to have it on, right? I don't need to actually, like, put over my mouth. That's where I talk. Why would I put something over my mouth? So you watch that. I also think that gives him powers, weirdly enough. I think it gives him powers over his team where if he's not wearing his mask, his team plays better. And I don't think it's a coincidence that right after the final buzzer sounded in that overtime loss to Texas that they showed Mike Gundy and he had his mask slightly over his bottom lip. Come on, Mike. Keep it down. Be consistent. But then you look at some of these other guys... Jim Harbaugh, he had a whole new one. I was I turned on that game, and you're like, wait a minute. You saw Harbaugh with his mask, and you're like, wait a minute. Is Jim? What's wrong with Jim Harbaugh's face? Does he have this weird-shaped head, and we didn't know about it? He actually had his mask, or excuse me, he, had, he put his microphone inside his mask. You know, most people, you watch him on the sidelines, they pull it down so they can speak in the microphone. Jim Harbaugh removed that step, just jammed it right in there. Made him look really weird, but... But I think if I'm a college coach and I don't care about getting it, I think you just, I think you just roll with it off. Because I was even watched a little bit of that Clemson game, never saw Dabo with it up, and I'm not the one here that's gonna be like, you know, say all of these guys are the worst human beings ever because they're not doing it. Football is such a communicative sport, where I'm fine with that. It's emotional. It's passionate, and most sports are. So to try and have to like keep fiddling with your mask up and down or whatever, um, I, I understand it, but I just think it's kind of fun to talk about and make fun. And if you watch the South Park pandemic special to see it just over their chin, call it a chin diaper. I just think it's kind of fun to talk about. But we're heading to that point in the NF, or excuse me, the college football season. SEC, not really much to talk about. It's kind of Alabama and everyone else, which is a lot of SEC years. I I just don't see a team challenging them. Georgia's not going to challenge them. I don't think Florida will. They already kind of stomped Texas A&M. It's just Alabama and everyone else. I think, actually, I think next weekend, yeah, next weekend, Pac-12 starting. So let's, again, again, I'm going to say it again. Expect to see things happen that you aren't going to expect. Okay, that's the podcast today. I think I'm going to start ending some of these with like a little bit of closeouts just so that because I sometimes I notice with the editing that I forget to mention a thing or two there. So just to clarify a few things or to add more context or information or small stories I forgot. With the Antonio Brown thing, um, this isn't a big thing, but I always think it's funny sometimes when a show is trying to characterize a person um, that may not have done good things off the field or something like on Fox, Antonio Brown, if you ever watch them, watch their shows, he always, they, they always have the picture of him in like the big ridiculous, like fur coat. Like, like he's just like, he's just a, a guy. Not that he didn't play for three NFL, for, well, I guess two NFL franchises for about a decade. So I just think that's funny every time I see that. And sometimes watch that. Watch the little uh, graphic pictures that they'll have up of them. It'll be kind of showing a narrative that they want to 
that's kind of the character they want to concentrate that off. They will pick like the worst picture they can. A few things on the college football side. Um, shout out to Greg Schiano, who was the Rutgers coach. He's back as the Rutgers coach after bouncing around the NFL. There was that whole thing where Tennessee almost hired him, but then they didn't. He's at Penn State for a little bit. He's back at Rutgers. He's restoring Rutgers to their prime. Rutgers also had some ridiculous like lateral play that almost worked, but it got overturned and called back. Go and watch that good 20, 30 seconds of content there. Another thing I forgot in the Big 12, Kansas State lost to West Virginia. Which Vegas really hates Kansas State. They were underdogs by like 10 points at TCU and or against TCU. And I was looking at them like, Kansas State's good. They're always good. They're a team that if you don't watch the Big 12, they're always a good team. Like they never have any weaknesses. They are good at the things that you wouldn't expect teams to want to be good at. But they got blown out by West Virginia. West Virginia was favored. I didn't understand the spread, but after West Virginia blew them out, Vegas was right on that one. Another thing, who I, I'm with the mask thing. I wonder, wonder who's going to be the first coach to rip off their mask in a fit of rage, toss it on the ground. I'm just wondering who that was going to be for the meme. I'm wondering who that's going to be. But I almost think that that's going to be a college basketball coach. I, I could see about like 30 of them doing that multiple times in a game. Last thing before we go, update the Big 12 power rankings. Coastal Carolina, after the Oklahoma State win against Iowa State, they moved up to the top. But when Oklahoma State lost to Texas, Coastal Carolina goes up a notch. They are number one. They are undefeated after a 50-point win, I think, 52-point win against Georgia Southern. So congrats, Coastal Carolina. Shout-out Cincinnati. They are undefeated. They have a legit chance to being the first group of five team to make the college football playoff. If they go undefeated, they probably won't, but keep your eye on that. Anyway, that's the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Go rate, review, subscribe, follow on Twitter and Instagram, JWS Detective, and we'll see you next time.